Hello and welcome to This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to This Climate Business. I'm Vincent Herringer, and earlier in this week, I spoke to Comvita about their amazing new Harmony Sustainability Plan. Unfortunately, halfway through, probably about five minutes into the recording, my microphone decided to just have an absolute kind of meltdown, and uh, so you'll get a little glitch. But otherwise, it's a very interesting interview. I hope you enjoy the show. Comvita is already much loved, and successful for its honey products who doesn't love bees and their fluffy bums but a renewed focus on sustainability has seen the company present a robust strategic plan based from what i can see very much on circular economy thinking the plan is called harmony and is a comprehensive relook at the entire operation well to explain the thinking behind the plan i am joined by chief purpose and transformation officer holly brown and Heather Johnston, Head of Safety and Sustainability at Comvita. Well, we'll go with Holly first. Everything starts with H, Holly. We've got Heather, Holly and Harmony. Tell us what's in this plan. Yeah, kia ora, Vincent. Thanks very much for having us and um, giving us the opportunity to introduce or talk a little bit, a little bit about the Harmony plan. Um, in essence, it is basically a set of aspirations that we've come up with on how we as an organisation would like to show up and make a difference in the world. So it is very much a ecosystem of sorts in that it's got four clear goals um, or areas of impact that we'd like to make, where we'd like to make a difference. Mm. But it's centred around our purpose. And that is working in harmony in, uh, with bees and nature in Aotearoa, New Zealand to heal and protect the world. And so we think that we can uh, do what we do best in a way that leaves the world in a better place. And that's really exciting. So we've set an aspiration to help try and reverse um, the decline of bee populations. And in particular, we think that we can um, make a concerted effort to even save bees. So that's one of our focus areas. Another is in around restoring balance back into nature um, with an emphasis on biodiversity. We are a really large uh, native tree planter. So we plant thousands of hectares of manuka forest every year. And we have an opportunity to see um, that forest development support the enrichment and the restoration of uh, native species, be they flora or fauna, uh, where we show up. So that's another exciting area. Third one is in community um, partnerships. And so we invest 1% of our profits back into community initiatives and efforts in order to make a difference for um, people in need or maybe nature in need. Again, so we've got a number of partners in place already. Um, and we've also committed to all of our employees becoming shareholders of the company. So that's our long-term dream. And that's where we speak to whānau ownership. So that's everybody globally, not just everybody in New Zealand. And the final area, last but not least, in fact, could have started here, I think, um, is in climate leadership or climate action, uh, where we have stated goals to be carbon positive, um, hopefully by 2030. And so we are uh, getting underway with our carbon inventory and making sure that we really support a circular um, supply chain and uh, manage waste and really, really look to reduce those carbon emissions um, as we move forward. That's it in a nutshell. I well, guess, that's a, a, a great summary. Uh, I think what impressed me the most was um, the comprehensive nature of it. So it seems completely kind of back to first principles, getting back to purpose, 
uh, and they're working out from there. So it's touching all parts of the business. So it's more than kind of a bolt-on sustainability plan, but actually is kind of strategic uh, and it's and it's kind of construct, which I, I liked. But it made me wonder why, because, um, you know, why are you doing this? I know that Convita has had its difficult times, um, like most many yeah. businesses. It's it's up and down yeah. because you're publicly listed. You know, we see, yeah. we see it yeah. all. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, just explain the context and the rationale for going back to first principles like this. Look, I think it's a really good question, and I'm really proud to say that as we uh, faced up to some performance issues that we were having uh, in 2018-19, that kind of time frame, and as we looked to build um, our way forward out of that situation, we were really clear that our uh, opportunity to make a difference, that cause, if you like, and that alignment with purpose, had to be front and centre along with, of course, sustainable commercial or financial performance. And so we've set about to undertake a transformation program, both in terms of the commercials, but also in terms of uh, making sure that our DNA is really loud and clear and that Harmony Plan brings focus to that. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I love about it, as you say, it's strategic, it's back to core, but also it's really grounded in tangible deliverables. So we're not just talking fluffy stuff. We're trying to make a real difference on the ground um, and to walk the talk, as it were. But it's a journey. Um, we're building and learning as we go, um, and we're really proud, I guess, of the progress that we've made so far. I think those, um, the fact that it does have real um, metrics tied to it also adds to the credibility mm. of it, right? You know, so I, I was... Uh, I should have mentioned that before, you know, that the the construct is quite strategic, but actually there are real KPIs set to them, which, again, is sort of quite a good measure of how serious you're taking this plan. I think that's really well said. Um, there is no more important issue in many ways than to tackle some of these um, tough topics. And we think wrapping goals and measures around it and understanding where we're moving the dial or not, is an important part of making sure that this really counts. Yeah. So, yes, whether it be the number of trees we plant, um, for example, one native for every pot of Manuka honey sold, that's the goal. And it means that as we grow, our planting efforts will also grow, and that feels right to us. Um, yeah. So we're giving back as we benefit. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, it's, it's, it's good to give and it's good to receive. Uh, let's look at some of the details. We can't go into the, the whole thing, but let's pull out a few mm-hmm. things. That, uh, you mentioned about the... Uh, staff ownership or community ownership. I thought it was really interesting. Tell us how that works. So we're not there yet. Um, We need to, uh, we're aspiring to get there and we'll do that by reaching certain um, financial performance and affordability measures, if you will. And then the idea is that we'll be able to purchase shares on behalf of our staff um, so that they then have access and become owners. Um, through um, virtue of their employment with Convita. We're hoping to do that in a way that is really meaningful and to build that over time. We think it's really important from a mindset and uh, an ownership of the plan perspective Mm. is to have that share ownership as well. So not there today, Vincent, but hoping to get there very soon and might have to come back on your show and uh, (laughs) talk with pride about when when we we make that that happen. The company is still publicly listed, isn't it, on the NZX? That's correct. Yeah. So, so um, oh, go ahead. Oh, so you would be buying off the NZX or would you buy, you know, kind of a chunk that's just a ESOP 
uh, employee we'll shares. Buyback. We'll buy back from the market in order to fund and give access for our employees to those shares. Hmm. So interesting. Mm. So interesting. For a while there, you were the target of uh, takeover bids because, you know, such an attractive business, obviously. Um, <laughs> uh, have you seen those? Are they gone, those, those bids? Look, our performance is really, really strong. Um, we've had four consecutive halves now of profitable performance. So we are not in that space. We're looking forward, dreaming big, and got our eyes very firmly um, on the future and long-term resilience and growth. Mm, great. Good answer. Um, I'm curious also about your tree planting. So um, obviously Manuka is really uh, core to your business Is is what's well, the two questions here? I suppose uh, is Manuka a hundred percent of the sort of floral source of your honey, or are you open to sort of diversity in that regard? And then I ask a question about Manuka forest as well. But maybe the first question: Are there other sources of pollen? Um, yeah, in your life. Right. Yeah, so what we're talking about there is the nectar source. And for Convita, we are targeting the manuka because it is one of the most, if not the most complex honeys available and for its medicinal properties and benefits. There's been over 9,000 studies on manuka honey and what it can do in terms of antimicrobial or um, digestive health research is also emerging and all of those uh, wonderful benefits that we know and love. Yeah. We said that when we do bring in a harvest, um, we can't um, completely control only to get manuka. And we also have a great opportunity to bring in other types of honeys as part of our overall operating model. So we do more than just manuka to answer your question in simple terms. But it's mm. the manuka um, that we're really, really excited about for all of those benefits and the research and the clinical trials that have shown you know, how good it is for you. And it's been part of um, Chinese, I think, um, almost food as a medicine for thousands and thousands of years, honey as a general um, uh, product. And so Manuka is just that extra special mm. um, place in the category. So it's interesting that Manuka has had such attention um, and you would think that there must be other sources of, you know, there must be other bioactives in, I don't know, Kofi, Harakiki, you know, there must be other really interesting plants that we haven't even yet begun to look at in terms of their effect of, on honey and, and kind of downstream effects with medicinal impact. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that Convita is at the leading edge of that research. And um, we have some really exciting developments in train, but particularly in the Manuka space. So we know that it is a complex, distinctive colour, tasting and um, bioactive uh, opportunity or, or product out there. Mm. And so it's certainly our focus um, and, and our, our hero um, and something that we, we're really proud to, to bring to the world. Mm. This is mm. such a success for New Zealand, isn't it? Oh, let, let's talk about the oh, so many questions. And we'll talk about the IP aspects in a minute, but... Um, I was curious about your forests. Um, you're planting a lot of trees and that commitment to plant, what was it, one tree for every pot sold? Just give us a, a sense of how many pots do you sell? Um, well, just answering the question in planting terms first. So we have around 8,000 hectares of forests um, planted, which makes us the largest native forest manager outside of the Department of Conservation in New Zealand. Mm, um, we're also number one on the trees that count 
uh, leaderboard. And so we know that we're, we're pretty influential in the space and we're looking to grow. Um, one of the things to understand as well is that where we plant, quite often that land would have been either fallow or in pasture. So we're taking it from grass, essentially, into forest canopy development. Mm -hmm. And once we get those seedlings established, um, we leave it there. We're not clearing it or harvesting it or filling it or what have you. We're leaving it there for decades, pretty much untouched, just giving bees access. So we take the, the hives up to the manuka trees, and then we are, are very happy to be able to um, let them do their thing. Mm. So in terms of uh, honey pot sold, we focus in on around um, manuka honey in particular for that. And we are basically looking to plant around about 2 million trees every year in order to make that one-for-one -one ratio work and have that grow. 2 million seedlings. That's a lot of trees. Um, who plants those for you? Do, and that land that you have the forest on is that your land or do you kind of have partnerships with with owners now we've got a range of partnerships and operating models um, for that land and we work with um, third-party contractors for the actual planting itself so we have a team that's dedicated of experts um, a small team that help oversee everything and make sure that's all going to plan um, but then we work with some really, really talented people out there in the field, excuse the pun, um, to do the actual planting and quite intensive care for the plants as they come through um, in terms of their first couple of years um, from a young seedling all the way through to being mature enough to hopefully allow the likes of sheep to go on through and then just naturally graze and, mm. and uh, be in the in the land. And it's, it's a really positive system and cycle. Yeah, on this show, we've talked a lot about um, the impact that uh, pine forests have they're very attractive from a carbon farming point of view because mm. you know you can you can target parts of the land it used to be called sort of marginal or um, yes. you know kind of um, steep or slippy then not very good for cattle um, mm. are you would do you qualify under this kind of approach do you qualify for carbon credits as part of the ETS and does that sort of form part of your focus? Mm. I'll get Heather to talk a little bit more to carbon credits in the moment, but just an initial comment from me. Um, we know that research, there's been a lot of research investment made into the carbon sequestration of natives versus pines. Mm. And a lot of really good studies are showing that natives have a very, very important role to play, even though they grow more slowly. The uh, lookup tables and the like, you know, um, are quite new as far as New Zealand's concerned and looking at ETS and sequestration rates. Um, but it's something that we are really excited about, um, mm. given the opportunity that we have to make a difference through these thousands and thousands of hectares. Don't know if there's anything, you, yeah, that probably basically covers it, I think, at a high level, Vincent. Mm. Um, but we're definitely exploring what the ETS scheme could look like in the future, noting again that New Zealand is still very much at the start of its journey in that space compared to more mature markets like in the, in the EU, for example. So we've yeah. got a little bit of a way to go. Um, I don't know if you've seen, but the, the government have released a paper about permanent forests um, suggesting that they want to move to permanent, uh, that the only forest that would qualify under the ETS mm. would be native forests. So that would be an interesting shift probably yes. another day perhaps. Um, so the, the forests... Um, they're monocultures, are they? You know, monocrops, because you don't want to mess with having other flowers in there. But we're planting manuka 
But unlike what you might call a monocrop like kiwi fruit or pine, we're not harvesting it and stripping it back every season. So actually what happens is other species grow up and develop in around the manuka mm-hmm. and they're most welcome. So it's not a monocultural situation that we're growing or nurturing through. And manuka plays a really important role as a sheltering species for the development of that canopy to come through. And so we're quite excited about that. We also companion plant um, a small number of natives that aren't manuka as well, um, particularly in and around waterways and on the um, uh, boundaries of our properties and the like. And we're looking to do more in this space. So, yes, we predominantly plant manuka, which is a native, but the difference is that we really support um, that natural diversity to develop. And that includes even, you know, be an insect life and bird life and that's where it's quite exciting that we've discovered for example um 22 uh, kiwi in one of our properties um breeding peers included and so that, yeah and so we, we're working closely with save the kiwi to try and make sure that we can manage predators and actually provide a sanctuary for these kiwi birds and support their population development also declining sadly um, and one day the dream is that more of our forests will become safe habitat for kiwis to be released that save the kiwi help to you know nurse through um, the hatcheries and the nurseries etc so yeah. that's exciting yeah. for us as well it's so exciting because you know so much of our agriculture why well, our, our kind of horticulture and agriculture is based on you know kind of overseas crops um, you know, because New Zealand's not not a wash in um, cash crops, naturally. Mm. Um, so it's so great to see you know your investment in in this area. Uh, mm. And just clarify for me, if I'm a bee, how do I how do I <laughs> how do I know the difference between a manuka and something other delicious plant that I could land on, flower I could land on? Well, if you're a bee and you discover some delicious manuka and flow you're going to go back to the hive and send a message to all of your fellow bees of exactly where to go to find it. They have an incredible communication system that they uh, share through the agitation of of a bit of a waggle or a dance that says this is where the good stuff is and they get really excited. And for about six weeks of the year only, it's quite a short window, that manuka will be really, really, really abundant and attractive to the bees. Um, but uh, nectar and pollen sources as a whole are, are in a diverse range of them throughout the year are all going to be, you know, playing that role when it comes to food source for bees. But the manuka is particularly, I think, tempting. Huh. And we place the hives close to the manuka so that they find it easily and can really um, go to work, as it were. Mm. Mm. Uh, bees are wonderful things. I know I've got beehives on our property and they're, they're sort of endlessly fascinating just for the you know, the level of cooperation and the communication, it's just absolutely amazing, isn't it? It's actually stunning. And we talk quite a lot about that in Converter and our organisation, about what a wonderful way to learn from nature and some of those things that you've spoken about and the metaphors and the direct relevance it has for business cooperation or mm. community cooperation, whether it's knowing your role or getting clear on communication around, you know, moving forward, um, the sum of the whole being greater than the parts, you know, all of that. There's some really, really beautiful lessons from the hive that we're trying to amplify inside mm. our organisation. Yeah, oh, it's mm. neat. We do like a good metaphor. 
the Aussies like Manuka too, don't they? But they call it tea tree. In fact, they've stolen the name. But tell, <laughs> us, tell, tell us about what's happening on that front. I think that New Zealand lost a decision recently around IP protection, right? Can you explain that to us? Sure can. Not the first thing they've tried to steal, but um, we'll leave it at that. So, um, look, one of the things to recognise, I think, is that our particular uh, manuka species is one that is chemically and genetically diverse to any other in the world. Now, when you talk about manuka or tea tree in Australia, there are actually 84 different species that are collectively bundled together. And so one of the things that's most important to us when you talk about this protection is that the consumer should know what they are paying for and and, uh, what they are ultimately ingesting. So from an Australian sense, it's like um, a good reference or analogy would be saying that all stone fruit is plums or cherries, when in actual fact, it's not. And so our particular um, manuka also, of course, has really rich and important provenance origins in te ao Māori. And so we think it's important to protect and stand for that, um, given the wisdom that comes from behind uh, the original uh, discovery of this uh, species and the role that it has to play. And so, yeah, we're pretty disappointed um, with that court hearing, it's fair to say, and we are working on, as an industry, an appeal uh, to see that to see that made right. Mm. Um, really, really important, particularly from a consumer perspective, that they know what they're buying. So Leptospermin scaparium is not the same in Australia or tea tree. There is only one uh, true manuka, and that comes from New Zealand. Mm. What was the court that made that ruling? That was a UK finding, um, and we're looking to appeal that. It's also going to go through the New Zealand courts, um, and I believe that there is a, uh, a filing pending for Beijing um, as well. Mm. You must be the dominant player in the whole honey scene. I mean, there are obviously more honey companies, but this is an industry initiative, is it? This is an industry initiative, and we're definitely putting all of our support behind it, for sure. Mm. Yeah, we really care about this topic. We think that it's something that we need to understand um, and fight for. It's so interesting. What's happening with honey? Uh, it's, we get the sense that it's a burgeoning industry, but tell us about the kind of you know the sales internationally. Is it is a sector? Is it a growing category of food, or is it are you sort of fighting for market share? Uh, look, that's a great question and one that I could answer in a number of ways. We know that um, the biggest money, uh, sorry, honey market in the world is China. And if you look at our presence and our growth rates in China, they are absolutely stunning. So we are really proud to say that we are the number one Manuka honey company in China um, by a long way, and we're growing that lead. Um, it would be the same, I think, um, if you talk about the US, which is you know also a very large market. Um, but in that particular market, we are uh, we're not uh, the leader, but we are looking to establish and invest and, and grow our leadership position. So it does depend on whereabouts in the world, I guess, that you refer to. Overall trends, I think the world is turning to um, nature uh, more and more for answers. I think that COVID has accelerated I, uh, a bit of a reflection on what's important and a return to some of that wisdom in, in many yeah. ways. And we are seeing that... Um, 
health and well-being continues to be a really important trend um, that we're a part of. And so there's a lot of confidence that we take into the growth of the overall uh, Manuka category um, and, and what it stands for, you know, in many applications, whether that be um, what we do in, for example, wound care, of course, um, when it comes to ingestion as well um, in our core range and other well-being and uh, related products, you know, cough, cold, flu, all of that. Mm. In fact, the Ministry of Health in New Zealand has even endorsed the role that honey and manuka honey can play in supporting um, if you have cold or flu-like symptoms and the benefits of that and, you know, a great thing to turn to um, uh, for a natural solution. Mm, so interesting. it looks really, really bright. Mm. What's the split? Uh, I know we're getting into sort of the weeds now, aren't we? But um, where's the growth for Convita? Is it in sort of the medicinal side or is it in the food side or cosmetics? Or, you know, where, where are the kind of exciting areas for you, do you think? We're excited about all of it. <laughs> I thought you might say that. <laughs> you know, our, our core is in uh, manuka honey uh, in, a, in a pot, if I could say it like that, so in the food, yeah. uh, natural food, um, and, and really understanding the role that it plays from a, a premium uh, lifestyle kind of perspective. So that's where health and well-being um, and feeling good and the science around medicine and, and, and being well meets the joy and the energy and the mm. delight in day-to-day activities. That's, yeah. that's our core focus. Mm. But, mm. It's, but you do, uh, presumably, you divide your company into cosmetics and I use the word ingesting, which just sounds like a terrible word for eating. Yeah, I might have to come up with a better way. I might just call it eating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, the core is in honey as a as a food um, yeah. and it being, you know, great for you. Yeah, yeah. So your um, involvement in sustainability, did you, you know, kind of were you slightly sort of of a green persuasion, you know, before you joined the company or has this kind of forced you down a, a learning journey? Uh, look, I definitely think it's a learning journey um, for all of us uh, that are in the field. I would not claim in any way to be an expert. Um, my love for sustainability and making a difference um, is not new, um, but I would say that it probably was sharpened and galvanised when I spent some time in China um, and of all places to understand what good can look like and really progressive leadership. And then to come home and return to New Zealand a few years ago and to be able to bring that passion and excitement back here to Aotearoa New Zealand, where we can actually, I think, play a leadership role. That was just the marrying of opportunity and passion. Mm-hmm. And in a brand, with a brand like Combita, Oh, well, then it just puts it, you know, lights a fire under it all and, and yeah. makes, makes great things possible. Yeah, yeah, that sounds like a good gig. How about you, Heather? Were you involved in sustainability before you were part of Convita? Um, no, actually, my background is in health and safety, believe it or not, which is pretty good foundations, and yeah. I picked up the... Um, <laughs> my hand up for the sustainability portfolio a couple of years ago and um, man it's just been a real blast since then I've learned so much I've got my learning mind on 100% of the time and um, really couldn't be in a better place to learn with Convita and um, yeah it's amazing very lucky very privileged yeah how much of your fingerprints have been over the Harmony plan 
Oh, it's been a, a joint effort, I think. I think there's been a few of us that have been involved in it. It's been a real team effort, pulling together, you know, um, our background and our purpose and our why and trying to bring that to life um, based on the kind of business that we want to be and how we want to behave and the role that we want to play. So it's definitely been a combined effort of many minds uh, to bring the Harmony Plan to life for sure. Mm-hmm. But Heather has been a key leader uh, and thought leader in this space. So really- uh, that's, that's good to hear. How, how do you know when it's going to be a success, Heather? What, what are some of the measures for you that you would use to, to kind of check your progress? That's a great question. I think, um, you know, we've, we've got some, you know, we've got your tangible metrics which are going to show us that we've kind of hit the mark. And I think the Harmony Plan is a long-term plan. It's not something that we're going to see lots of, we'll see small, short gains, those low-hanging fruit. But I think for me, it's really when we see everybody in the business um, having a real role to play um, and that we can see that we touch beyond the business and we can see the impact outside that's really doing the doing good so mm. um yeah mm. and I just don't think you know it's never going to stop we've got a real role to play on giving you know for the long term and I'm pretty excited to be part of that really yeah yeah yeah, mm. yeah. well I, I hope that you're able to share that knowledge because I think the plan that you've created is is probably going to be studied you'd hope by your peers and other industries other organizations to look for kind of cues as to how to embed sustainability and, and uh, kind of circularity into strategy. But I, just, you know, kind of as an observer, I really see lots of bolt-ons as a nice to have, but actually, you know, putting it right at heart and soul of your businesses, that, that's quite profound. And I, I think you should feel quite proud of that. Presumably yeah. you're going to win, win some awards maybe, but. Oh, feel free to nominate us for as many as you'd like. <laughs> We're definitely happy to share everything we've learned, the things we've got wrong, the things that are working. You know, we think this is such important stuff and um, and we are proud and we know we have a long way to go. So more than happy to, to pass on anything we can to others. Yeah, great. Hey, well, it's been so uh, lovely to talk to you. It's nice to hear a positive story. And um, so um, thanks for your time and all the best. I'm sure we will hear more from Convita as you, um, as you really begin to focus uh, your efforts around this plan. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and, thank you. Um, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. This Climate Business, the podcast about turning the climate crisis into opportunity. Please follow us on social media and rate the podcast as it helps others to find us. 